We come to Second Corinthians in our Bible study time, and uh, we're in chapter 9. We're moving along. Chapters 8 and 9 of Second Corinthians deal with this whole topic of giving, and we've looked at that in detail in three sessions there on chapter 8. And then as we go into chapter 9 tonight, uh, kind of add that to the previous chapter as a part 4, and we'll, we'll have another part as well. But we're going to look at this, uh, this aspect of how we give and are there benefits in our giving, those kind of things. Because uh, when Paul writes here, uh, he's writing with the backdrop of this being that he was coming to Corinth to receive an offering that had been prepared so that they might take that and bring it to the poorer churches uh, throughout Macedonia and then some back in Jerusalem as well eventually in that. But that is part of the motivation for what Paul writes here. But he, it is a tremendous uh, tre- you know, treatment on giving as far as his, what Paul lays out here. Again, the Holy Spirit teaching. And I'd say of these two chapters, there's some of the really the better chapters at least in the new testament for sure as far as what giving is all about and what um you know what the early church's ministry was and what the apostles thought and all these different things anyways we pick it up here and we'll begin reading in verse one now concerning the ministering to the saints it is superfluous for me to write to you for i know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready. Lest, if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting." Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Lord, again, we open your word. We are grateful that we have it, grateful that we can peacefully gather here and just learn of these things. And thank you, Lord, for your blessing of being so generous with us. And Lord, we pray that that might spill over into other areas of need and among the saints and as well lord that that might provoke one another stir each other up to good works and use those things beyond even how we could use them alone thank you for that in jesus name amen well if you want an outline uh there's some points here in this chapter and the first one is this our giving will provoke others and there is something about generosity that is contagious, right? We've been talking for two years about contagious things. Well, giving is contagious. And I know that both firsthand and know that there's an excitement that comes when people, you know, God's people become generous. And there's a, a, a one heart kind of unity for a cause to give to. And of course, the cause being the cause of Christ and the needs of each other. And that's the backdrop that's going on here when Paul says, I'm sending these, this team ahead to prepare this generous gift that you promised. And he wanted to do so, giving them a heads up that the day is coming, he's coming, you know, to take, pick that up. But also 
that it would be a time of boasting, not in pride, but boasting in the Lord to see the generosity and not a begrudging time of saying, oh no, uh, you know, he wanted things to be right in that way. Well, our giving provokes others, and that's what went on here as Paul writes. And in the book of Hebrews, I like in the context here of Hebrews 10, uh, the writer here says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And I can just say this, that in this day and age, or I guess ever since that time, you know, Christians have been living in a world that is contrary, living in a world that's dark, yet a world that looks at our light and says, you are darkness. And, you know, it turns it on its, on its head, doesn't it? And the writer here reminds people, you need to consider or hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. In other words, dig in. That's what the word hold fast means. It says, for he who promised is faithful. Always remembering God is faithful. And then it says in verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And that is part of the ministry of each other, as to each other. When we look at a church or the body of Christ, uh, and to stir one another up. And here, he's, the writer is, is uh, directing his attention to uh, Jews, primarily. Uh, it's not only to the Jew, though. Uh, the application here is really about Christ. It goes far deeper, but he builds a case to the Jew first uh, about why we gather and why we're together and why we do these things. And it's so that believers may consider one another and stir up those good things, the love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of your, ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I think that in this day and age, and just even prior to this uh, message tonight our prayer requests and the sharing of of the needs that are in our world and some of the hard things that are happening in our world we as christians ought to be even more reaching out and exhorting one another to continue on not wavering and i think of that because um you know i think when hard times come and we've seen some of those hard times when hard times come your commitment to Christ and the body of Christ, you know, the church shows forth, doesn't it? Sometimes I, I've talked to some of you, you know, you've been in times in your life when you've been without work or you've been with those things, and all of a sudden some big thing happens, and then you're kind of like, uh oh, what do I do? And thankfully, the ones I know continue on, but it's not always easy, is it? It's easier, it seems like, to exhort one another to carry on when things are going well, but in reality, we need to do it even more so as the tough times come. And I counted a great privilege today to be able to pray with my Ukrainian friend uh, and just uh, pray with him and realize that what we're doing, just talking uh, while he's there in Ukraine and bombs are going off in the background. And, uh, you know, we're praying and exhorting one another to be Christians. Uh, I'm in a lot more comfortable position than he is right now, but we have a ministry to each other. And so much more is that you see the day approaching. Giving is part of that ministry by where we stir one another up and we're generous and we're helpful and those kind of things. Um, 
in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul writes there, referring to the gift itself, uh, in the first letter, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, and that's what it was, it was a collection for those who were in need, who were impoverished, as I have, and they were Christians, uh, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. So that's where it was eventually headed. But if it is fitting that I, all, I go also, they will go with me. And uh, that was the case, what was happening there. And by the way, there was a team, I mentioned them, they appear in Acts chapter 20, they're listed there. Um, here it says, and Sopater of Berea accompanied him, that's Paul, to Asia, also Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. And we don't know a lot about some of those men that are mentioned there, but we know they accompanied Paul, and it was not like Paul doing this all on his own. There was a team involved. Uh, I think a lot could be said about that in the aspect of giving. It was a planned thing. It was planned giving as a budget almost, like not knowing the exact amount other than it would be generous, but telling people when we come, and he was going to send these men ahead, be prepared to receive or have them receive that offering. And he wanted to make sure that that happened. Well, um, our giving provokes others and that's what he says there in verse 5 therefore i thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation and some you know there's really two ways that people give to things sometimes there is that uh you know, begrudging of like, oh, I got to give. Oh, great. You know, I remember a story of Henry Ford, um, who was, uh, you know, early on a multi-millionaire in days when millions meant something for sure. And there was a new a medical center that was being built, uh, must have been Detroit or wherever it was. And they, someone approached Henry Ford for a donation and he pledged $5,000 to that project. Well, the next day, the newspapers came out, and they had added a zero on the end of the 5000 And instead of 5000 it was Henry Ford pledges $50,000 for a new medical center. Well, it was probably intentional, but uh, immediately Henry Ford, totally irate about it, called the newspaper, and uh, he said, uh, that is not what I said. And he went on, and they said, well, tomorrow we'll run a retraction saying that Henry Ford has adjusted his donation by $45,000, uh, minus $45,000. Well, then Ford realized that isn't going to look good either, so he ended up donating the entire $50,000. But he did it grudgingly, you know? And, and nobody likes that kind of giving, being kind of swindled into something or, or being asked to be generous, but then you're not generous enough and somebody wants more. Paul says he wanted it done as a matter of generosity. That comes from the heart. And interestingly enough, it isn't necessarily wealthy that give more percentage-wise. Uh, it has nothing to do with your income levels. Actually, statistically in the United States, the average per person 
who is in under the level of poverty, which I realize is not that bad in the United States sometimes, but under the level of poverty gives an average of 5.5% of their income to others or to charities, whereas wealthiest Americans give about 2.5%. So uh, that's just a stat to throw out there. So sometimes those that are the poorest are the ones who are the most generous as well. They also could be the most covetous on either side, right? Wanting more that isn't theirs. So I, I just, for whatever it's worth, it's like that. But you know what? When we give, and there's a lot of teaching on giving in the New Testament, but when we give, we really ought to be giving not for the newspapers, not for you know the, uh, the tax receipt alone or those kind of things. That's a stewardship issue. If you give and you get a tax receipt on that that you can use, I think that's good because then you can you know, be more generous with other things. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong, really, if you're going to go and just uh, kind of announce it from the hilltops that, oh, I'm a generous giver, because are you? You're just doing it at that point for the show. Um, Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus put it this way, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. <clears throat> Therefore, when you do a charitable deed... Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deeds may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. The illustration that came to mind on that comes from the days of uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was, <clears throat> in his day, the prince of preachers, and all of England followed his sermons in the newspapers and those kind of things. And the Spurgeons had had chickens, and <clears throat> they actually, I'll be good here, uh, the, they actually collected eggs and sold the eggs. I'm okay, guys. But anyways, I get a little dry on stuff, but... Um, they were collecting eggs and they would sell them each day and they never would give their eggs away and the same newspapers that praised Spurgeon for his preaching began to hear about the stingy Spurgeons they wouldn't even give eggs to their relatives and they wouldn't give eggs to the people who really needed eggs and things like that and they were running articles and the Spurgeons never answered that ever they never said anything about that. They just let it go. And it was only years after they died that someone came across a ledger that they had kept. And every single penny that came in for those eggs was used to support two widows. And they never let anybody know that. And you know, that spoke volumes, really. I mean, we like see somebody, we think that person's stingy for doing that. We really don't know. And God knows. And if you are generous with God... God knows and he'll reward you openly. And I think that that's a, a good lesson for us, right? Provokes others in their giving. I wonder how those same editors felt after that came out, if they were still around at that time. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Thank you, Gee. says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you. 
there is a principle in giving and jesus says be generous and if you're generous it comes back and i can just say i'm thankful for that that i have seen that in people's lives and in the times where god has called someone sometimes myself to be generous in things and uh, i i turn around i realize i can never be as generous as god ever not at all can't even come close Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24 says there is one who scatters yet increases more and there's one who withholds more than is right but it leads to poverty isn't that funny how that works how sometimes storing up things uh, trying to you know take as much as you can and put it somewhere and store it for the future or whatever it doesn't work out that way does it sometimes um, there's nothing wrong with the issue of, of being a good steward of resources or preparing for the future. I think that that's important. But it's another thing that sometimes we put all our, back to the previous, all our eggs in one basket, don't we? And it's this earth. We're not laying up treasures in heaven. I remember a story of a missionary, uh, a single woman, who loved to read books. And she was a missionary in the Philippines. Uh, absolutely loved to read books and she gave away a lot of books in her life you know she would read them all that but she had some really treasured ones and she she could not get rid of those and she wouldn't loan them out and she had a footlocker she didn't have a lot of possessions but she had a footlocker and she kept her most prized books in the footlocker and then one night as she was lying in bed and listening very carefully she could hear it sounded like crunching noises coming from the footlocker and she opened it up and realized that the termites had gotten in there and they were devouring the books and there was only sawdust left pretty much. And you know what she said? The only books that I have are the ones I gave away. And isn't that the way it is sometimes? We, we, we invest here and we think it's going to be enough and everything else and somebody else is going to get it. It's the termites. Jesus says, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt. And uh, there's a balance in that, isn't there? Well, your giving will bless you. Not only does it provoke others and bless others, but it actually blesses you. Um, and that's verses 6 to 11 there. And there's some subpoints here. Uh, this is Warren Wearsby's outline, if you want to know where I got it. But he says here, the principle of increase, that's in verse 6. That's the first way it blesses you. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Principle of sowing and reaping. Um, you aren't going to have a harvest or a crop or anything to eat if you don't sow seed and do so bountifully, right? There is a direct result of that uh, in that whole process of that. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9 the Lord here says, or Solomon says, the honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. The first fruits of your increase. What is the first fruits? What is it like? And, um, you know, I look back and, and um, uh, Mr. Kraft of the Kraft Food Company, uh, which he's long gone now, but you can still buy Kraft macaroni and cheese and all the other Kraft products and all that. But he was a, actually a Christian man, and he was a very generous Christian man. He gave 25% of all his earnings to Christian charities. I don't think they do that today, but um, 
They give to some other causes that probably wouldn't be anywhere near Christian. But I would say this, that the Lord blessed Mr. Kraft. And I often thought of that um, when I was eating Kraft macaroni and cheese when I was in a dorm somewhere, and you know, like the NBBI, uh, we, we, we lived on Kraft dinner, as they say, you know, things like that. But uh, God blessed that man and others in that. Um, important to do so. Giving of your first fruits and your increase. And that was very generous of someone to do that. Secondly, uh, there is the principle of increase. And I didn't put that in as far as a subtitle, but uh, there's the principle of uh, where was I? Principle of increase. That was what we, yeah, sorry, that's reaping what we sow and also how we sow. That you don't reap more than, um, well, you, you won't reap unless you do so. All right. And then there's the principle of intent. That's the second one. The principle of intent. And let me go to that slide somewhere here. There we go. Principle of intent, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the word cheerful there, and it means somebody who is filled with joy, somebody who is a joyful giver. Um, sometimes I had a preacher tell, you know, say that the word actually can be translated hilarious, and we kind of think that like, oh, comical, you know, somebody that's so... But it's somebody who's so happy, they just, you know, think about, wow, this is great. I got an opportunity to give. That's the kind of way God wants giving, you know. Um, some take that and say, well, God wants me cheerful, so I'm going to only throw in a little amount, not a lot. And, you know, <laughs> that's not what it means at all, okay. It's, it means to be generous in that. Not grudgingly or of necessity, like Henry Ford being kind of tricked into doing donating another $45,000 and grudgingly having to do that, right? Um, God loves a cheerful giver in that. Proverbs 22, 9 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. There is an aspect of receiving a blessing by giving. And there's nothing more exciting than to be able to give to someone in need and even at times sacrificially being able to give to somebody and realizing you've been blessed in the process. And that's the act of what, why we come up with the word charity. Charity, it's a word for love, right? In the Old English, it's, it's translated that in 1 Corinthians 13, right? That whole passage on love, and it uses the word charity. And it's the idea, and we almost lost that idea of love, the idea that it's a sacrificial kind of love that doesn't ask for something back. You give it away and let God do that. And that's the way his love is, isn't it? He gives it. He doesn't require that you love him back he loves us in spite of who we are he loves us when we're still sinners he loves us unconditionally and of course wants us to love him also <clears throat> and then third thing the principle of immediacy and that's verses 8 to 11 and here it says this and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And the, the principle here, and I'll go on to some more verses here, but the principle here is that 
you have an immediate benefit when you do give or are generous, but there is this idea that God provides, and he provides in this case that you may have an abundance of every good work. Uh, I think of a farmer. You know, a farmer benefits from his work, just going out and working. Most farmers, if you talk to them, they like to work. There are times when it gets long and the hours are long and all that, but you have to really love your job to be a farmer because most people don't go in it just for because uh, there's bad years and there's good years, but, you know, they, they do that. You have to really love it. You have to love the land and the crops and those kind of things, the work that is there. But even beyond that, there is this idea that, that there will be a, a crop that will come in the future. And you're always, as a farmer, investing in the future, really, when you think about it. Uh, and hopeful in the future as well. But there's this idea also that we reap even while we are sowing. And uh, I can say that God takes care of his laborers uh, through many different means. And I could testify personally for that over and over again, how he's provided in ways. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, to be content. And contentment's a big thing, too, isn't it? One of the things about being generous, the things I've observed is that generous people are also often content people. They're not driven for something, you know, the latest and greatest gadget or the, the brightest and shiniest new car or those things, but they're, you know, whether they have those or not, it doesn't drive them that way at all they are content that if they have little or if they have much they're still generous uh, it's important to be generous in that you know and it was a uh, rockefeller who tithed he tithed his fortune believe it or not as he was making it and all that very wealthy businessman uh, i'm not sure how godly he was or those kind of things of course uh, known in the tycoon days of uh, making money and all that um, and, and, you know, don't judge him by today's uh, times, you know, look back in the time of history. But he was a generous man of his day. And he said, when asked one day about why he was so generous with his wealth, he said his first salary that he ever made, a steady salary, was $15 a week. And he tithed $1.50 then uh, per week. And he said, I never could be generous with what I have today unless I was generous with my first salary. And that's true. I think it doesn't matter if you're, you know, rolling in the money or not. I think it's a principle of being generous. And so often, the more you get, the more you're concerned. And remember back to the days when maybe all you had is a little bread, and you'd invite the neighbor over, your friend or someone, and you sit down, you break bread together, have bread at a, you know, at supper, and you're just generous with a little bit that you have. Paul learned a contentment, whether he was hungry or whether he was full, whether he was without clothes or with clothes, whether he was shipwrecked or he was on the ship. I mean, he was content. And that's the part of our aspect of praying and giving is, Lord, make me content. And that principle means also that there's an outflow from, uh, from our work in that. Jesus said it this way, um, Whoever drinks of the water 
that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Um, part of the aspect of our salvation and our conversion is that he gives us this living water and it springs up in a life. And honestly, I mean, there, there's lots of people who are generous that maybe aren't, aren't people or, or aren't Christians that way. Um, there's generous people that aren't. They give for various reasons, but it wouldn't be for the cause of Christ. But I honestly can say some of the most generous people I've ever met are Christians. And they are generous that way because they genuinely love the Lord and that just flows out of them. And I, I want to be like that. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever and here in verse 9 Paul talks about he actually quotes from Psalm 112 and he drives home this point that we share in God's grace but we also share in his righteousness and if you want an enduring legacy it isn't always that you hand over money right Um, reminds me of the guy that uh, had a heart attack and he went in uh, he went, ended up in the hospital recovering from his heart attack. And in the meantime, he had a favorite uncle who died and left him a fortune. And now the guy's family was concerned because he was, had a weak heart and they weren't sure if they should go in and tell him that he just inherited uh, a bunch of money and also tell him that his uncle died. And they didn't want that to cause him to have another heart attack. So they said, well, we'll, we'll ask the pastor to go in there and do it. So the pastor went in and and went in and you know looked at the the man and he says he says what would you do if you inherited a million dollars well the man says I'd, I'd give half of it to the church and the family's outside in the hallway listening to this conversation they hear this big boom they thought oh no they run in and the preacher was dead how about that <laughs> point is this listen if you want a lasting legacy just give be generous don't let people know you know, other than those maybe that receive it or whatever else, but be generous. And you know, his righteousness, the Lord's righteousness as well, endures forever. It is right. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multitude the, uh, multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of righteousness. And... Um, that's, that's what Paul's prayer for them was in that. Uh, and we'll quit there. Lord, thank you for your word and the reminder about giving. Really, grace giving is, is really what it's about. and How it builds character and how it blesses others and ourselves. And Lord, help us to continue to be generous people and to stir us in those areas, Lord, where we need to be more generous. And Lord, as well, help us to look for needs where we can Offer bread to somebody that is in need. In Jesus' name, amen.